We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Happy Super Bowl week, everybody. Fly, Eagles, fly. Kansas City Chiefs fans need not apply. That's the best I can give you for that. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host. I am Jacob Westendorf. And as seems to be the tradition these days, we are running uh, with a skeleton crew. Think of it as like Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and Aaron Rodgers. We couldn't get all three of them on the field at the same time until the very, very end of the season. Uh, and we're running that way again now. So I am with the Christian Watson of my sidekicks, and that is Jacob Morley. Jacob, welcome to the show. How are we doing? Man, the Christian Watson of your sidekicks. That's that's high praise. Um, I'm doing good, man. I'm glad that we're uh, able to get this done. I've had to take a little bit of a hiatus with uh, – some things going on in my life that have kind of conflicted with our recording time. So I'm, I'm happy to be here this week and, and talk some ball, man. Let's talk some ball. We mentioned last week that you were attempting to not spend as much money at Target. So my question Me. is, have you? <laughs> Me? Yes, that would have been you. To, to, all the, to all the married fellows out there, Target. Target's an evil place. Bane of my existence, man. Yes. No, yeah. No, we went to – so my my lovely wife, who I love so much, Sarah, uh, and I have – we actually – we did our premarital counseling stuff, um, and it actually wrapped over into, like, postmarital counseling stuff. And we're actually going through, like, a financial literacy course. So it's actually – it's been really good, man. It's been been really educational. Um, And it was funny because I made that joke to you guys. I was like, hey – I just need my wife to stop spending, you know, so much money at Target, and we'll be fine. And it was, it was funny because that came up in our, our counseling meeting. And if if you knew my wife, you would know. Like we joke about this stuff quite a bit, so it's just kind of funny. Um, and uh, and we're we're off and running, man. We uh, we got some good advice. Got a got a budget. We've got a financial advisor. We're 
we're good, man. We're golden. We're gonna be we're gonna be richer than Title Town here in the next probably couple of months. I think. I think that's how it works, right? I dream big, man. Whatever, whatever that takes. Um, as we are recording today, guys, it is, it is February sixth, um, which of course is a day in in our lives that you guys will uh, always remember. Uh, I would hope if you're listening to the show, uh, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. February 6, 2011, I was watching the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 45, Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews standing on a podium with a wrestling championship belt. And what I thought for sure was the start uh, of a budding dynasty uh, down the road. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. And I will tell you, like we could talk about, just wanted to bring up some positive, some happy, good and fuzzy type of memories to kind of get rolling here. It is a little, I guess, sad now just because it's 12 years later. Aaron Rodgers probably not, I think, the smart money right now is will not play for the Packers again, and they will have only won that one Super Bowl with him. But I can tell you that was, I mean, for guys that are my age and, and slightly younger, you know, we were young enough or old enough to have watched Super Bowl 31, but I don't remember the feelings. I didn't go through the fandom portion of that thing. So I would say that was just like my first Super Bowl championship watching guys like Charles Woodson and, and Donald Driver get to to raise the championship trophy and to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Dallas, Texas and and do all those things. It kind of go that team that year was just so much fun and and so frustrating at times because you always felt like they were talented enough, just couldn't put it together. Good enough. They go eight and they get to eight and six after losing to New England. Mike McCarthy at the time boldly proclaims they are nobody's underdog and they never lost again. Uh, but Morley, what's your what's the memory that stands out from that day for you, whether from the game, from the party you were at, if you were at one, if you were like me, I was in solitary confinement basically <laughs> when that game started. You know, what what's your takeaway from that game? Well, I had a lot of friends reach out to me and want me to, you know, go to parties and stuff like that. And it's just like, man, I can't. I can't do it. And I was actually I was at my my good buddy's house, Josh, and uh my my really my good buddy Kent Swanson, who writes for the KC Sports Network now, uh, was there. It was just a few of us, and I had told my buddy Josh, like, "Hey, I will come over to your house and watch this game, but I don't want any casuals there." And I don't think I used that word at the time, uh, but if oh, you're that's a, a fan, relatively you, new slang, you, you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I don't want people there that are like, "Oh, I just want to watch the commercials," or "Oh, let me ask silly questions about the game of football," like. And so it ended up just being a few of us. And I just remember just very high anxiety the entire game, just not trusting anything until I believe it was, was it Tremont that broke up that pass from Mike Wallace. It was. To, that to, was my phone to, background forever and ever. And the game. And th- that is when I finally put my arms up and was just like, they did it. And I remember texting my dad who's a Vikings fan, oddly enough, but he was happy for me. And I just said, like, I'm sure, I am sure that holding your firstborn child is really great, but I can't imagine it feeling any better than this. And uh, as I get older, I, I realize how silly that was, but it was a really, just a great experience, especially because, like you said, 1996, 1997, we were alive. You know, we were alive for those two years that they made the Super Bowl, won one of them, but it's not the same. You know, it's not the same as being older and being uh, coherent and knowing what's going on and following that team the entire season. And that was such a fun season as well because, like you said, that team was so good. And we all, if you were a Packers fan, you knew how good that team could be. But they were so disrespected throughout the national media because they did not have the the best record, they're the last team to sneak in as a wild card. I would say some of that was deserved. They lost seven to three in Detroit that year. Mm. Like, I mean, there were some they had some bad losses throughout the course of that they season, did. and it felt like any time they got something moving, somebody got hurt and they lost him, or they'd lose this for a while. Yeah. Frankly, there's a few things that few of them injuries that turned out to be blessings in disguise. Um, and I, don't, I hate to use that what, phrasing, but Jermichael well, getting that, injured. And yeah. Greg and, Jennings you know, now becoming the focal point of the offense, or on defense. I mean, Nick Barnett, who was an all-time one of my favorite Packers of that era, 
going down and then Desmond Bishop coming in and just playing lights out was was another part of it. Yes. Um, and, you, and you can kind of go into after the Super Bowl and watching all those guys get hurt and their careers ending, which is pro- which is another podcast for another day and why they weren't a dynasty. Uh, but it, man, the the play the play from that Super Bowl that sticks out to me is the Nick Collins pick six. And that is, I mean, Nick Collins was already one of my favorite players to play for this team. He was so much fun to watch. Uh, he had a great aesthetic, you know, wearing the 36, played the game the right way, was such a freak athlete. Kind of went through a little bit of, like, fans turning on him. I think a lot of people forget that, like, in Nick Collins' first few years, people were kind of like, is this guy good? Is he not good? And then I think it was, like, his fourth year, he just was – Pro Bowl, All Pro, Pro Bowl, All Pro, you know, eight interceptions, nine interceptions. The guy was just an absolute ball hawk. And to see him get the ball in his hands was so exciting. And to and then to see him do that on a national stage in the Super Bowl with the pick six interception, one of my all-time favorite Packers memories. Um, I was just elated to watch that, uh, especially, you know, the Howard Green uh, hitting Big Ben's arm and him just coming down with it and talking about, you know, I went back to my high school days and turned into a running back and just made sure I got into the end zone. Oh, man, just fun, fun memories. And no one can take it away. No one can take it away from that team. That's the ultimate goal is winning that Super Bowl and just being the top dog at the top of the hill at the end of the season. And, you know, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers and this team. You know, not accomplishing as much as you would hope that they would, but I think as Packers fans, we know, and as a lot of teams around the NFL know, it's it's really hard. It's just really hard to win a Super Bowl, and that's what makes them so special. Is 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 your team being the last one standing for that particular season, um, and it always being something that you just no one can take away from you, and it's cool. It's just cool, and it's it's crazy to say that it's 12 years ago. feels like it wasn't – actually, I don't know. It feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like there's been a lot of heartbreak in between there too, Jacob, so it does feel like it maybe has been like 30 years ago. Uh, but, wow, what a game, you know, to beat a team like Pittsburgh as well, which is another franchise in the NFL that is – uh, of immortal status like the Packers are, just yeah. kind of a kind of an old head. Um, one of the original founding fathers, really, of the National Football League to beat them in the Super Bowl as well is, is pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it, w- it was a lot of fun. Um, what I can remember is the feeling of, like, I remember, obviously, and a lot of people have talked about this. This isn't a unique thought to me, but when Tremont picked six, Matt Ryan in that mm-hmm. divisional round, I remember thinking to myself, but I was very, 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 very superstitious at that time. So I kind of like made myself block that thought out of my head. But my first thought was we're winning the Super Bowl. And then they got to play the Bears. I live in Bears country. That was one of the most stressful weeks of my life. It was almost relief more so than elation when the Packers won that game, just because I'm not going to be on the other side of these jokes for eternity, quite frankly. Um, But the Super Bowl... I remember this odd confidence and it turned out to be for the reasons that um, played out in the game. It was, I was like, I don't think Pittsburgh can beat green Bay if green Bay can spread them out and green Bay can. I was like, James Jones, Jordy Nelson Jennings, when they move him into the slot on their other corners, I just think that's going to be too much. And that is when Pittsburgh had struggled against guys like Tom Brady and, and some other quarterbacks in the past. But I remember, Charles Woods is one of my favorite players ever watching him get hurt and then play a couple snaps after that, which was just wild that that happened. Sam Shields got hurt uh, and then went through that. And then the Steelers, they, it was 21 to three when those guys got hurt. And I am of the belief now that if those guys had never gotten hurt, Green Bay wins that game like 48 to 10, it was going to be an ass whipping, but it wasn't uh, obviously as we know, but I remember they scored the, the touchdown. Uh, the Kevin Green quote too, and you know, rest in peace, oh, Kevin Green. The, yeah, the longtime Steeler talking to Clay, Clay, and just talking and, and saying basically what all of us were thinking, like Charles, Charles is hurt. They're looking at you. It is time. Oh yeah. my gosh, it still gives me chills, and and I was getting so to cool, that. Man. That's what so I was cool. getting to. Is yeah, 
they have the Steelers have this drive. It's twenty one seven or twenty one ten at halftime, and the Steelers Spill just come out pick. and they Spill ram. Pick. Well, even before that, the Steelers ram the ball right down Green Bay's throat, and it's twenty one seventeen, just like that. And then Green Bay can't catch the football. Like Jordy drop, Jennings drop, James Jones would have had a touchdown drop. Like just all kinds of stuff like that's happening. I remember after the Mendenhall touchdown, it was after it was reported, driver Woodson out, not coming back. Uh, the girl I was dating at the time, <laughs> I stood up and went to go to the bathroom and I said, we're effed. Like I thought Green Bay was in a lot of trouble. And then the first play of the fourth quarter, Clay Matthews to me with the, in my opinion, the most iconic play of that Super Bowl. And, and it was their best player on defense with all due respect to Charles Woodson. Clay was their best player that year, making the biggest play of the game. And then, yeah, Tremont Williams, I will, I will never forget pacing in my living room before that last play. And when I saw the ball hit the ground, I just made sure there was no flag. And then I dive bombed face first into the ground. And that w- those were the happiest tears I had ever cried to that point. I will say Morley, you mentioned earlier, one thing I am very grateful for was at the time that was the happiest day of my life. And that was the happiest day of my life for a long time. I am thankful that since that day, there are other days that have surpassed that. Um, but yeah, it was incredible. And and like you Dude, said, nobody I, could take just it. not to cut you off, but like I, I texted that to my dad about like, Hey, I can't imagine there's much, many better feelings. You know, I, you know, pe- people talk about it, you know, holding your kid is the best feeling. Yeah, and my dad, to his credit, is just like I'm happy for you, but like holding your kid is better. Yes, <laughs> holding your firstborn child is going to be much better. So yes. props to Roger for that, Roger. Yes, man props Roger and Morley. I can tell you, it, it is better significantly. Thankfully, I'm you know I'm very blessed. God blessed me with with two children, so I was able to do that twice. Um, it it is it is a better feeling, but from a football standpoint, not a happier day in my life. Not even, and there isn't one that comes particularly close. Um, to this and point now, also like we, I think what, what, what is lost in some of that too, is like, for me, I think especially younger fans don't realize how much of a whooping boy Jared Bush was before that. Oh season. yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like he was a guy, like he was, Jared Bush was always a really good special teams player, but when he got on the field, like he got beat a lot and it was, it was bad. You know, people would talk trash on him. And when he got that interception in the Super Bowl, it just immediately was like, I'm never saying anything bad about Jared Bush again. Because that man just made a massive play on the biggest stage in the biggest game. And, I mean, that's what's so cool about the Super Bowl is you make one play like that and you are immortalized in in whatever team, team's fandom, forever. Like, Jared Bush, to me, I only have positive thoughts about him like he in my mind he's a great Packer he only ever did great things for the Packers because of that one play he made in the Super Bowl because it was a massive play at a massive time too yeah and you like there was an eBay listing that my friend and I used to make jokes about the tickets were like really good seats and it said in the listing sit so close Jarrett Bush can hear you boo him and then after that like you said after the Super Bowl I was good, man. Like as soon as he, I remember I take my best friend texted me during the game. And when Jarrett Bush got the interception, he was like, man, if Bush is getting picks, we're winning. Like there's no way. Pat Lee, dude, Pat Lee too. Another guy that for Wiley, I mean, had to come in second round pick out of Auburn. Never did Jack squat in green Bay. Like just was, I mean, by all terms, a, a bust, you know, and, and was not what they expected to be. Came in, played the entire second half, and played well. Probably the best half of football he played in his career in Green Bay. So Pat Lee, we salute you. Like it's just, it's just cool, man. Like those games create those storylines for fans, and like that is the game you work to get to. And if you can ball out in those games and become a hero, like good on you. Uh, luckily for the Packers, they don't really have a guy that blew one of those games for them because it probably would be rough for them as well. Um, so, man, it's just – I'm getting just like in, endorphin is like running through my mind right now, just even reminiscing about that particular game. So cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, I, you know, I think the one thing I learned from it and something that I've learned in subsequent like – I was friends with a lot of guys that were Cubs fans when that team, when they thought that team was going to be a budding dynasty, 
Um, I was friends with with a lot of Bucks fans now with Giannis that think that team is is a budding dynasty. And the one thing that I think I learned from this championship that Green Bay won in 2011 and failing to win one since then is do not, and I'm thankful I didn't do this, but I know others that have, is do not allow the prospect of never win or having to win four or five more cheapen the idea that you won the one. Because there are a lot of teams. There's, a, I know a lot of people in the world have rooted for the Minnesota Vikings. They've lived and died without seeing their team win a championship. You know, there were a lot. I remember that when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, for example, like the guy who was on the news found out they won and started crying on the air. Like that's the level of joy and celebration and appreciation you should have. Just they won the one. And you know what? We'll worry about winning more when you have to worry about winning more. But there's no guarantees. Like it's not as easy as Tom Brady made it look for 20 years. It's not that simple. And and this isn't basketball where one player like Michael Jordan can win you six titles just by being Michael Jordan. So that's Super Bowl 45. I'm thankful to have experienced it. Um, I'm also thankful that, like Morley said, it's not the best day of my life anymore. Um, and hopefully, Morley, someday that, you know, maybe it won't be uh, in your top five either because it's not in mine. Uh, it might be in my top five, but it's it's further down the list than it used to be. And I am thankful for the fact that it's not number one any longer. Um, but the the next thing we wanted to do uh, was just real quick, the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff. We don't want to get too much into that. But Rodgers plays the Pro-Am. Devontae Adams is trolling on social media. The betting odds now very much favor the Raiders. Morley, I said before the show when we talked, if you had asked me the night of the Lions game, the last game of the season, I would have said he's coming back. Um, they like Not that they have no choice, but that seems to be the best of bad choices. I have no idea how they feel about Jordan Love, blah, blah, blah. And now since then, it's slowly – Worked, and I, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, last year when they signed Rodgers to the extension, I was like, that's the end. Jordan Love will never start a game for the Packers as their preferred starter. And I understood it from the standpoint of, I, I said last year, I would have moved on, but it's not my job that gets lost if it doesn't work, right? If you move on from Rodgers and it doesn't work, you get fired. Well, that's not my job. So 31 other general managers would have done the same exact thing that Brian Gutekunst did last year. I, I think anybody who criticizes him for that move specifically is just criticizing him for a move, and that includes myself even to some degree, for a move that, again, 31 other general managers would have made the same move. But now, this isn't the offseason of 2020 where I, I will never forget that press conference. Like I don't always find the pressers to be must-watch television but when the Rogers report came out, I was like, I cannot wait to watch Gutekunst talk tonight. And Gutekunst selects Eric Stokes and then promptly takes basically no questions. But I think Ross Uglum was the first one <laughs> that night, our guy, to ask about Eric Stokes when they drafted him. But basically, Gutekunst says, we are not trading Aaron Rodgers. And then the offseason last year, it was basically like, okay – they're not trading him. So it's just, is he coming back or is he retiring? We just have to figure out which one it is. There's a whole, and for everybody, I, I tweeted this early in the week. And if you want to be the guy who thinks that Schefter and rap and all these dudes are fake news, be my guest. Number one, every single thing in Schefter's initial report from 2020 was proven to be true. Aaron Rodgers confirmed all of those things himself, but I digress. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Peter King, Jeremy Fowler, name all your plugged in guys. There is so much smoke for a player like Aaron Rodgers to allegedly be on the trade block for him to not be traded to the point now I've done a complete 180. I believe that it is more likely Aaron Rodgers gets traded than he's back in Green Bay. I think both things are still possible. I wouldn't like put money down on either one, but I do think if you did the odds, it's like 65-35 in favor of a trade. Morley, where are you at? I think – so at the end of the year, I'm just trying to backtrack. I even thought at the end of the year, man, like it was 50-50. Just with the way that he had played this season. And, you know, you look at the injuries, the thumb, the ribs, the young receivers. And I could see how the Packers could talk themselves into wanting him back. And so when Matt LaFleur and Goody came out, we're like, yeah, we want him back. I get that. 
But, man, we're just at the point where it's like the biggest thing that would shock me, I guess, is him retiring. Like, that would shock me. Yeah, that is. But, I was going to say, that's the only thing. And that would almost have to be like, hey, we wanted to trade you to the Colts. I almost feel like that would have yeah. to be the way that he well, retires. I I don't think he's done after one year either. I think he's got two or nope. three years left in him. Yep. And so, so I think it's it's just, you know, what team wants to deal with that. And I think the Packers, it's just kind of run their course. And, you know, I think few times you kind of look at teams and you say, like, Man, it really could be the best thing for both sides to just move on. And for the Packers to kind of hard reset, maybe not even hard reset. See what they, you know, see what they got in Jordan Love. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's not. Maybe he stinks. I don't know. I really don't know. I think he's great, but no one knows. And, and go on, Aaron, like thank you for everything you've done for this team. Like truthfully, thank you. Like you have you know made the, you you've been a Hall of Fame quarterback in the, for for the Packers you've been such a joy to watch throughout your career like i hope i truthfully hope he goes somewhere else and if he i might be in the minority on this but like if he wins another super bowl in new york or LA or las vegas like that would sting a little bit but i i would be happy for the guy I'd be like oh, good for you you know like it, it it's not going to happen in green bay though is the point i'm trying to make and I think that's obvious to everyone. And I think it's obvious to Rodgers and the Packers as well. It's just the PR game that they're playing right now. Like, who's going to be the person to dump the other person? That nobody wants to be that. And I, and, and to an extent, I, I get that. Like, you don't, if you're Brian Gutenkunst, you don't want to be the GM that traded Aaron Rodgers and he goes off to be great. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, like I really think Rodgers does appreciate and respect everything the Packers have done for him as an organization. Um, I think Rodgers, you know, say what you want about him, but I think he really does appreciate the fans in Green Bay. Um, I think he does love Green Bay. I think he loves Wisconsin. And I don't think he wants to be the guy that's like, hey, I want it out. Um, So it has to be somebody has to put their big boy pants on and be the bad guy. And I don't know how that's going to play out, but I don't think he's back in Green Bay. And I think the a vast majority of the fan base is going to understand that, that it is just at a point, they're at a crossroads. And like you had alluded to, Jacob, I, I would not be shocked if 10 years from now, you know, Goody sits down for an interview and says, hey, we were ready to move on from Rodgers in 2021. But the guy forced our hand. Like, he won back-to-back MVPs. How how do you trade that guy? You don't. Like, we can sit here, Jacob, we talked about it. Like, we both said, you know, unabashedly last year to each other, you know, to each other, maybe even publicly, I don't know. Like, I would have traded him last year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Oh, I wrote an well, article t- on Packer Report that said I would have traded him. And then in the first sentence, I said, like, not just I would trade him, but I also fully understand this is not what they are going to do. Basically, what I said in the opening, they're not yeah. going to do that. And well, no and if you're will. if you're if you're Goody, you're looking at it like we had talked about. It's you're looking at your job security, too. Like if I keep Aaron Rodgers, I'm good for another year. Um, if I move on from him and really put my nuts on the table and say, like, hey, this is Jordan Love. This is who I picked. And if you're wrong, you're gone. So, like, I get it that you want to collect those paychecks as long as you can because I'll tell you what, GM, a GM role in the NFL plays, pays pretty well. So, you know, I get that you want to keep that job forever, but uh, I was talking about, you know, the our boss here at Pack, Pack-A-Day Podcast with Andy Herman uh, was in the DMs the other day, and I just said, like, hey, this is going to be Goody's defining offseason. Like, I really think that, that either in, in any of the scenarios you talk about with Aaron Rodgers, if he brings him back, then I think to a certain extent that is admitting that he was wrong about Jordan Love. If he gets rid of him, then to an extent he is saying, this is my guy. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm staking my job on Jordan Love being good. So, like, either way, either scenario – I think this is the crossroads season for Goody and for the Packers. Just say, either we are moving on to a new direction with this young guy that we really believe in, or we're running it back with all these older players and Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to see if we can make some magic happen in the NFC. Uh, that didn't happen last year. Last year, and and everything that the Packers and us, you and I too, Jacob. If, if Rodgers comes back, everything we would have to pitch to this fan base and to our fellow fans of this team is exactly what whatever team trades for him is going to be pitching to their fans. This is a four-time MVP. He's won MVP two of the last three seasons. Yes, he was very average in his last season, but he was hurt. There was young players, you know, yada, yada, yada. And you talk about these are all the excuses he can still be an MVP player. And, and maybe that's right. It might be right. I don't know. It, we'll see. But I just think for the Packers, for where they are at, do you want to trade the future of a young kid that you allegedly believe in for one or two more years of potential MVP quarterback play? Well, that's, that's think- the thing is if if and it, we're taking Gutekunst at his word, we believe in Jordan Love. The whispers are they believe in Jordan Love. With a team that goes eight and nine and the quarterback is not the league MVP and there's trade interest in him, clearly, if they do not choose Jordan Love this offseason, fair or not, that is an indictment on Jordan Love. I or, agree, yeah. Because it's a no-brainer. If, if that is, in fact, the case, if he's any good. But if he's not, like if they think he stinks, then it's like, well, yeah, we're holding on to Aaron Rodgers and keeping him for as long as we possibly can and, and just hoping. And we'll try and start over, you know, this offseason, we'll pick a quarterback or we'll pick a quarterback after the next year, you know, whatever way they want to do it. I don't think that you, it can't be that we believe in Jordan and he's ready to play, but also we're not going to let him play after it's different if they had said this last year we believe in jordan and he's ready to play but we just went 13 and 4 and the guy in front of him won the league mvp that's a little different right a lot of different quite frankly versus guy who had a down year by his standards and a down year by roger standards is still a very good quarterback roger still was good by the by the numbers and that's why he's going to but there are teams that at minimum, Green Bay is getting a first round, at least one first round pick. Anybody who tells you they're not getting a first round pick is lying to you. Like I there's think the no, bidding, the, the it starts at two. I, think, I, I really I think too. that. I think it, I think it's two firsts. I, I've been using the format of two picks and a young player, and and maybe it ends up being more picks. Maybe it ends up being more picks and and player. Like I don't know. You know, bidding more can change a lot of different things, especially if Rodgers doesn't say. Like, hey, trade me here, and Green Bay does him a solid, which is a scenario I think they could play out. For example, Green Bay's not trading him to Indianapolis. I cannot picture a scenario that plays out where Rodgers says, yeah, I'll go to Indy. Like, And if he's not willing to go there, then it does, like Indy could offer the number four pick and the next five first-round picks, which is illegal. 
but they could offer that. And Green Bay would say, no, we're not doing that because Aaron doesn't want to go there. So it is an indictment on Jordan Love if he's not the starting quarterback in Green Bay in 2020 because Green Bay can trade him. You know, it's been talked about. The dead cap for Green Bay is $40 million if Rodgers is on the roster or not on the roster this year. His cap hit, if he is on the team, is $30 million, $31 million. You're talking $9 million bucks if you think the quarterback you have is ready to go. And you're a team that wasn't good. Like, that's the other thing about this team, Morley. And this is why I think, again, it is time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. You finished eight and nine. And yeah, you could say maybe a lucky bounce here or there. They could have gotten in the playoffs. However, they were three and six, they were four and eight. Like, they were down bad. There were times where we were talking about what happened if they finished four and 13. Like, we were talking about those things because it looked that rough. And then you look at their winning streak. You get credit. You don't apologize for winning in the NFL. Completely understand that. I would say that. I think I did say that after each of the individual games. But Chicago, worst team in the NFL. That's not even a dig. It's just a fact. Look who's picking number one. The Rams, by that point in the year, skeleton crew. Nobody was left. No Cooper Cup. No Aaron Donald. No, no Baker Mayfield had been there for five minutes. Miami played a concussed quarterback. How the hell does Mike McDaniel still have a job when a quarterback has played with a concussion twice? I have no idea, but that's a separate story for another day. Not my problem. Minnesota frauds been talked about a bunch. And then you lost a winner go home game at home against the Detroit lions. And I'm sorry. You scored 16 points in the process. So I know that like some of the advanced numbers really liked green Bay down the stretch and over the long stretch, but this offense is not good enough. There's not enough talent on offense. There's not – and Morley and I talked about this. You can catch us on the Gold Zone Wednesdays on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube channel if you want to hear more discussions like this. But this team is not good enough. And some of that could be even if Aaron Rodgers is good enough, this team is not good enough. And that is another reason it's time to move on. We're going to put a bow on that. There's been plenty to talk about with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. There will be plenty more to talk about with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. As of right now, the betting favorite is the Las Vegas Raiders if he's going to play for another team. I think it's between them and the Jets. There may be another team that that sneaks into the bidding. It's just it's tough to see another team that has the combination of like I was looking at Carolina, for example, and that could be like two firsts and like Jeremy Chin. But then it's like, well, what if Green Bay doesn't want Jeremy Chin? Then you start looking at like they're not trading DJ Moore. That defeats the purpose of require, acquiring Aaron Rodgers. There aren't many, like LaVisca Chenault's the other receiver, maybe Terrace Marshall, Tommy Tremble is their tight end. They're not trading Brian Burns. What sense does that make if they're trying to win again? You know, that's that's the other part of it for these teams. So, I mean, I guess unless they're just going to trade a metric F ton of capital from a draft standpoint, then maybe. But I, I think that it's I, – I really do. I think it's between Vegas and New York, and it's just a matter of, Aaron, do you sign off on both one or neither – it won't be neither. I think it's both. Do you sign off on both? Which one he has got the – nope, nope, nope. That's a phrasing nightmare. Which one offers more? <laughs> so we're going to move on from that. Last week when I was with Ross Uglin, we talked about planting some flags on some guys, and I'm going to plant a couple of more flags. Last week my flags, if you guys remember, were planted on Olu Oluwatimi, which I might want to rescind that a little bit after a little bit more study, but I can't do that now, so I'll leave it there. Um, I had – Devon Weatherspoon as my early guy. Um, and then my mid-round guy, I had Parker Washington as as one of my receivers, as, as somebody that I really liked. So he is. Um, so we're going to go, you know, again, kind of the same format because Morley wasn't here, so he wants to plant flags on some guys. So at 15, another guy I'm going to plant on some guys that I really like is either one of these two edge guys, so I'm cheating by picking two, Miles Murphy or Tyree Wilson. You guys will see when I do my mocks, if one of those guys is available when I make my trades or whatever, I pick them every single time. Like, and I know one of the things that I do try to do with some of these mocks, because one of my pet peeves with mock drafts is every fan base has the same, like nine players in them. So I try and rescind some of that a little bit. So I pick around, I pick a couple different dudes. I pick Christian Gonzalez in the first round before yada, yada, but yeah, early either one of those edge rushers. I think that that is a, a pretty large need for the Packers. And I think that's a position where the need and the value of the picks, whether it's pick seven, pick 13, pick 15 are going to meet. That's where that's going to go. Morley, what do you want to go for early? Well, before I give mine, I, I listened to the pod last week and I, um, 
I liked a lot of what you guys had talked about. I liked a lot of the players that you talked about. I like Hunter Lipke quite a bit. Weatherspoon is a dog, is someone that, like, man, if he's sitting there at 15, I just can't not take him because he's that good. Uh, but someone that I want to push back on a little bit is Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. And I know this is not going to be popular, but I went into it. So I have his completed grade in the in the draft guide. It's ready to roll. It's not a first round grade, and it's a, it's it's an early second. I think he is a very good football player. Don't get me wrong; he's very good at football. But everything you look at with him, and you say, "Hey, he's a good. He's kind of a good overhang defender. He's a good tackler. Like he's going to be good in the slot in the run game." I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't think he's a dynamic athlete. I don't think he's someone that you can leave in the slot and actually cover slot defenders. And I think let me push on you a little bit before we do because I do care that stuff. One of my least favorite bits of analysis in the draft is that doesn't matter. These things, these positions don't matter. Like stuff like that. I do care, but not correct. Not at fifteen overall, right? And that's what I was getting to. Is like because you'll sign Jimmy Ward for five million bucks a season to do that. And if if you want a slot defender that's going to be great in the run game, play Quay out there. Like, it's fine. I mean, and that's what I'm – like, Brian Branch is really good at football. Like, if he's the pick at 15, I'll talk myself into it. Like, whatever. I'll I, get I it. will but, not. I will not. But, um, but I just – you watch film on him against Texas and Tennessee, and, and Texas and Tennessee have two really, really fast slot-type receivers who just made him look silly. And, and you can get into the film and the All-22 and say, like, well, it wasn't really his fault – um, and I would agree with that, but there are times where when you're the overhang defender, you at least actually have to slow down that guy, and they just didn't. And Brian Branch, I think he's going to struggle with that in the NFL level. Like I think he's going to struggle with actually having to cover people, and uh, and that's not great. And if you're taking a safety at 15, I want him to be dynamic. I want you to say, like, man, we're going to have to – like he could play eight spots. We don't know where he's going to play. That's not Brian Branch to me, and I could be wrong, and I hope I am, and I hope he has an awesome NFL career. But, um, and I wish Ross was here so we could argue about it. But uh, my my three, and I was really jealous listening because I love planting flags on prospects, especially this at this point in the draft. And uh, I'm super early into the prospect uh, to to this. So uh, for the draft guide, I I do I do safeties and receivers um, and tight ends. So. Those are going to be the three that I kind of stick close to here. And for this Packers team, my first pick at 15, this is going to surprise people, but Jalen Hyatt, one of the guys that gave Brian Branch fits out of the slot or out wide at Tennessee was Jalen Hyatt. This kid's going to touch 4-2. Like he is just the easiest, easiest speed. And the pushback on him is going to be, Point to a time where he does anything other than run into straight line fast, and I and to an extent I get that, but I watch this kid and I just think, man, like when he runs and when people get close, like when people get more up to speed on him, he's going to be a first round draft pick because you look at him early in his career and he did some stuff that you're just like, ah, eh, that's not that great, but. This last year, what he was able to do, and if you really go watch his film, he does do more than just run in a straight line fast. Like I think this kid can actually run routes. And and for the Packers at 15 with a guy in Christian Watson who is also that fast, the prospect of adding a guy like Jalen Hyatt is extremely appealing when you think of what they would what they would be able to do with two guys on the field like that. Um, and we'll talk more about these guys on the gold zone on Wednesdays. But another receiver that I want to talk about that has not been getting an, enough enough recognition, I think. And Odie he started agrees. at Ellet. Who? At Odie, yeah, Odie. Odie's shaking his ears. Uh, is uh, Trey Palmer, the wide receiver out of Nebraska. Nebraska. And you watch this kid, and my goodness, he is filthy. When you talk. Talk about you want to put on the one-on-one tapes like at the senior bowl and all, all that stuff. He flirts. He 
flirts with wasting motion a little bit. Uh, uh, but man, what, what he, he is able to do on film is a lot of fun. Um, I think he would be really fun on slot option for this team if they're willing to kind of go with that smaller type slot. And then the last guy that I will put my flag on right now, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State at the tight end. Uh, guy was not able to stay healthy a ton in college, but you watch him move, and I, I do not just throw this around lightly. You watch him move, and I, I see he tries Kelsey. Like that, that is the type of loose tips that he has. The type of athleticism that he has. He was that. The senior bowl, and there was a picture of him just standing on the sidelines with the other tight end at this senior bowl. Okay, so we've got a few uh, technical issues going on here for. Uh, things that are happening here. But Luke Musgrave was the last name there. A couple names I'll throw out uh, real quick. One I've talked about quite often this week. Thank you, Sam Holman, for that. That was Mozzie Smith, uh, the defensive lineman out of Michigan. I think that's something. I am a big believer when it comes to building this team. And when we're talking about the way that Green Bay is going to move forward with Jordan Love, a lot of people think that just means receivers and tight ends. And and I I think that matters. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't matter. Um simply because, yeah, the Packers need more playmakers. I don't think there's any question about that. But I don't think they're good enough. I wrote an article this week for Pack Report. I don't think they're good enough on either side of the line of scrimmage. And if you guys have listened to me talk um, about football in general, one of the reasons I really like the Eagles coming into this year was how good they are on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I, I just think that Green Bay, good enough, is kind of like, oh, we got this guy, so we're fine there. Like, Good enough's not good enough, if that makes sense. Like, I want them to be really good. And that's where, like, if you guys see, I'll do mocks every so often. Most of the time they come out on Mondays. I had a few come out today. Like, I'll have drafts where I make a Rodgers trade and I pick an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. I had one where I got Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders for I – didn't, I didn't get Waller. I got two firsts and their second this year. And my first three picks were Miles Murphy um, – Miles Murphy, Peter Skaronsky, and Mozzie Smith. And and that's something that I think Green Bay could look to do, quite frankly. And then you got 45 and 78 and some other picks to, to kind of add to the weapon room, whether those are running backs, receivers, tight ends, you know, whatever happens throughout the course of time here. But I, I don't think Green Bay is good enough in the trenches. And I think that's been, quite frankly, their biggest downfall over the last – you know, three seasons this year, maybe not as much. I think they had a lot of issues, but they lost to San Francisco. One of the reasons was they couldn't block the San Francisco front, you know, and some of that was injury. I I say that knowing that full force, you know, when you lose David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, you're trying to survive to some degree. I do know that, but Josh Myers, what is he? I have no idea. John Runyon. I think he's an average starter. Somebody that you certainly don't look to not upgrade. Zach Tom is a darling, and I understand why, but I don't want him starting. I definitely don't want him starting at left tackle. I know that. 
right tackle, I just worry long-term. He's just so lean. Is that his best spot long-term? Now, David Bakhtiari had the same issues, but Bakhtiari is a bit of an outlier. I do wonder if Zach Tom's best spot long-term is at center, which means they need a tackle. They need a guard, I think. You know, Yosh Nyman, I think he's about as replacement level as replacement level gets when it comes to playing offensive tackle. But I think, you know, that's where a guy like Skaronsky, to me, he's a tackle until he can't be. He's a guard if he needs to be. And and I think, I don't remember if it was on record or off, but Zach uh, or Ross Uglum said Zach Martin. And maybe not to the same level of player, but the type of player that, plays guard and is just really, really good at it for a decade. And somebody, you know, people that try and outsmart themselves might say that's not worth the top 15 pick. I say, that's not true. Quentin Nelson's really, really, really good. I know the Colts suck, but that's not why they picked him eighth. So I would be fine if they, if they did that. Um, You know, so those are guys, Mozzie Smith, I mentioned there, we'll do some other stuff. I did this, you know, a week ago, we've got plenty of time to go with the draft, but thanks for following in today, guys. I appreciate you stopping in. Um, You can check the show out at pack a day podcast. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Mr. Morley who dropped off. That was his guy again, Luke Musgrave, Jalen Hyatt. um, And then Nebraska wide receiver, Trey Palmer. We're some of the guys he planted flags on. We'll talk more. We'll do this a lot more as the season goes. Enjoy Super Bowl week. My official prediction uh, is Eagles 34, Chiefs 27. Uh, I think that the MVP of the game is – I'm going to go non-quarterbacks because I think the quarterback – so if you want something to sprinkle on, Hassan Reddick I think is a potential candidate for that. Uh, Miles Sanders is one that I really enjoy that. I just think the Eagles are, again, the best team on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. I think they can block the Chiefs. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world and has been since he stepped foot on the field. But he's compromised. Um, The Chiefs' offensive line is good, not great. The Eagles' defensive pass rush is great. And the Chiefs don't run the ball well enough to exploit where the Eagles might have some trouble. The Chiefs are really banged up at the skill positions. Their best receiver right now is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which you know maybe Juju's ready come Sunday. Maybe they get one of the gadget guys like Tony back and ready. Obviously, they have Travis Kelsey. Um, but I just – I think the Eagles are the better team. I think they have been all year. If you're picking the Chiefs, I think you're doing that based on the fact that the two best players in the game probably play for Kansas City. But I think the best team is the Eagles and – as you guys have noted, follow me on Twitter. It's the year of the guardian angel. So I, I the Eagles are going to win and there's going to be a real big fella smiling wherever he's at when, when that happens. So thank you guys for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back next week talking an official kickoff to the off season. Um, shout out to everybody who did senior bowl coverage. You guys were incredible all week. I appreciate that as somebody who couldn't go. Then there is no off season guys combine off season, free agency, new league year, maybe a trade of a quarterback or two. Then we can kind of go from there. But thank you guys for listening and uh, go Pack Go. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.